Hello, and welcome to this special Confectionary News podcast. I'm Anthony Myers, editor of CN. In the wake of ongoing chocolate industry challenges around sustainability issues, farmer poverty, and low prices in the cocoa industry, I talked to Emily Stone, CEO and founder of Uncommon Cacao, a women-led transparent supply chain company that is disrupting the global market with its own transparent trade system. Take a listen. Um, yeah, and thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Emily Stone. I am the CEO and co-founder of Uncommon Cacao. Um, Uncommon Cacao works across the cacao supply chain, um, connecting about 4,000 smallholder cacao producers with about 250 bean-to-bar chocolate makers globally. Um, and so we are uh, we play multiple roles in the supply chain. We are exporters in Belize and Guatemala where we work directly with producers uh, running centralized fermentation and drying facilities and exporting high-quality cocoa. Um, And then we're also uh, distributors and brokers of cacao from Belize and Guatemala and several other countries as well, uh, Colombia, Haiti, uh, the Dominican Republic, Ghana, Ecuador, um, out of an office based here in Berkeley, California. And um, I started on Common Cacao back in 2010 uh, really because of existing market demand for high-quality organic certified cacao produced by smallholder farmers. Um, this was, you know, sort of before the explosion of beans of our chocolate. It was before the explosion of specialty cacao production and origins. Um, and makers were really struggling to identify and source from, uh, you know, high-quality uh, cacao uh, production facilities that were, you know, smallholder based. Um, and so uh, I moved to Belize in 2010 to uh, really, you know, what ended up sort of changing the industry in that country, centralizing fermentation at a large scale, uh, sort of across the whole country. Um, and then that, that was uh, the formation of Maya Mountain Cacao, which is a subsidiary of Uncommon. Um, and that was really how it all started. And, and we've grown uh, quite a bit since then. Sounds excellent. Um, I'm intrigued, actually. I'd like you, if you could please, could you explain, um, you describe yourself as a systems change company. Um, Could you explain a little bit about that? And my next question would be, you know, is it similar to blockchain? Does it adopt blockchain blockchain technology? Or is it completely different? If you could, um, yes, if you could just explain a little bit about that, that'd be great, please. Yeah, so when we talk about systems change, um, what we're really talking about is decommoditization. Um, Uncommon Cacao, you know, part of our theory of change and our, you know, vision for growth of the industry is really around changing the fundamental system of how we think about cocoa as a commodity. Um, It's our belief and, you know, we're seeing this reflected in the market dynamics, especially in in premium and beans of our chocolate, Um, that cocoa is, in fact, not a commodity um, in all cases. Um, There is certainly a commodity market for cocoa, but it's becoming increasingly important for the durability and sustainability of specialty cacao supply chains that we sort of uh, allow for creative thinking um, in terms of pricing and sort of assigning new value to what cocoa means. Um, So it's recognizing the unique terroir, the flavor profiles, uh, the stories of the producers and the organizations behind the production of cocoa, um, and really enabling us to be paying more for better quality, uh, paying more for, for better flavor, um, and thus 
changing the system itself is how cocoa is traded. Um, so that's what we mean by systems change. Um, and, you know, we're, we're very small, but we are growing. And I think what we're seeing is sort of a, almost a divorcing of the markets um, from, you know, there's sort of the commodity uh, bulk cocoa and chocolate market, and then there's this new decommoditized specialty cacao and, and chocolate market. Mm. Okay, because I see a lot of a lot of companies, a lot of uh, processes are, are starting to uh, adopt blockchain technology to for, for traceability purposes, aren't they? I mean, um, you seem to be ahead of the ahead sure, of the game. Yeah. There. Well, it's, so what's interesting, you know, blockchain mm. blockchain is a technology that essentially enables traceability and transparency, um, but it's a tool. Um, it's not necessarily an outcome in itself. Mm. It's a tool toward greater transparency and traceability. Um, we, as a, as a company, stand behind the concept of transparent trade, mm. of which blockchain is certainly, you know, an option to, to use um, to sort of um, to, to get to. Um, but transparent trade means verifiable published pricing for every transaction related to a cacao purchase along the supply chain, including information about who produced it and where. Um, blockchain is one way to verify and publish pricing, mm-hmm. um, but it's not the only way. And, right. you know, we, we put out this annual transparency report every year. Uh, we do a lot of work to uh, compile and verify uh, contracts, receipts, prices that are paid across the supply chain, uh, and we publish it. And, um, you know, we have experimented with digitization of our supply chain in the past. We implemented a um, not quite blockchain, but sort of laying the foundation for implementing blockchain um, through digital, uh, you know, purchasing, um, surveys being done with farmers at point of purchase, um, and sort of traceability on pricing um, through through technology. Um, and we found that there are real challenges, um, and the implementation realities of blockchain still have a long way to go, mm-hmm. um, not to mention the startup costs of implementing um, you know, a, a blockchain system within a supply chain. And so, you know, I think through our reporting and through our, our operations, we've, we've also sort of proven that blockchain is a nice tool, but it's, it's not the solution itself. And really what, what needs to happen is that more companies simply need to be more open about the prices being paid in their supply chains, um, in particular farm gate price. This is always the price that we are sort of laser focused on from both an impact and true farmer sustainability perspective. Um, if the price is too low, that farmers are actually earning at the farm gate, um, in many cases they'll stop harvesting, uh, especially, especially in the specialty cacao world. Um, and so making sure that they have a price that, you know, covers their cost of production and, and enables them to, to succeed as entrepreneurs, as individual farmers uh, in the specialty cacao supply chain is really important. Um, and so transparent trade is sort of a concept that that's bigger than blockchain and that it's, it's looking at the, the theory of why we do blockchain or, or why anyone would do blockchain in the first place, why anyone would publish pricing in the first place, um, and that it's, it's really about, um, you know, when it gets to the systems change piece, um, it's about creating accountability for all stakeholders along the supply chain around pricing and margins. Um, it enables to think about shifting power dynamics of a traditional supply chain hierarchy of farmers, you know, purely as price takers. Um, opening up more opportunities for them to negotiate pricing, um, and ideally, essentially building a foundation for the decommoditization and even decolonization of cocoa, um, establishing new pricing benchmarks and yes. trade relationships that look more like long-term partnerships than you know speculative or, or transactional relationships. 
Good. Uh, you mentioned you've just released Uncommon Cacao. It just released the transparency 2018 transparency um, report, which I've which I've read with interest. And one of the really the one of the headline grabbing um, points there is that you um, that you know your farm gate price uh, for farmers under the under the Uncommon Cacao scheme is is um, two thousand five hundred and seventy dollars a ton. Um, which is higher yeah. than the than even fair trade's new proposed um, um, farm gate price, which is supposed to come into operation in October, isn't it, of two thousand four hundred? So, how did you? Well, that's actually that? that's actually the, the yeah that's the proposed export price. Yes. Um, so farmers would be earning less than that. That's um, right. That's a good an important distinction. distinction. Yes, yes, yes. Very, very true. But that's an amazing um, achievement. Um, um, and you must be very feel very proud of that, and it must be having a, a, an impact, you know, with the farmers. I mean, could you t- just tell us a little bit more about about that? Um, how you achieve sure. that, that, that that level? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, I wouldn't necessarily look at it as an achievement. So mm. yet, you know, we're we're still not where we want to be no. um, from a pricing perspective in terms of what we can pay farmers. Um, and it's it is truly a full supply chain and, and market based um, you know sort of success story um, in that when we started our operations in Belize in 2010 there were very few specialty cacao pricing benchmarks um, and we were basically looking at either pricing along the commodity market or actually trying to cover our cost of production and actually trying to help farmers cover their cost of production um, and. That uh, was, you know, a conversation we started to have with the market, with the handful of of craft chocolate makers who were interested in buying cacao at the time. Um, And so we set our pricing, you know, higher than the market. Um, We very clearly communicated that we wanted this to be stable pricing, that we wanted it to be decoupled from the commodity market. And um, the reasons why around, you know, what I was talking about around durability, mm. uh, sustainability, and, you know, this really being a supply chain that, that stands by its, its values um, and, and values the raw material um, itself that is, that is going into these, you know, usually high percentage, uh, premium, you know, very, the flavor profile being very important, uh, chocolate bars. And so, you know, from the very beginning, we've just sort of set our own pricing um, and have, you know, learned when it's been too high for the market and, and brought it down. And um, when, you know, we see that there's an opportunity to um, work with chocolate makers to, you know, improve the profitability for farmers uh, or for the supply chain, we do that as well. And um, so I think, you know, it, it, in many ways, um, as an intermediary, we are, you know, squarely in the middle of the supply chain. We have direct relationships with thousands of producers and with hundreds of chocolate makers. And so we're able to sort of hold the space for this conversation in a way that a single chocolate brand on its own, you know, may not have as much of a, a sort of widespread scale to do, um, or the same as a single, you know, cacao producer origin uh, may not have the ability to do. Um, and so, you know, we, we publish our pricing because we believe that it's critical for chocolate makers to know if they're paying a higher price for cacao um, what is the actual price the farmer earns? Um, to us, that is an accountability that should be absolutely required um, in the specialty and also in the commodity supply chain. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, we've seen so many social, economic, uh, environmental issues that stem from cacao farmer poverty. 
uh, in the supply chain. And so, you know, if we're serious as an industry about um, fixing some of those problems and we recognize our responsibility as the market um, to be an active, you know, player, um, I think it's important that we look beyond, you know, again, the, the commodity market as sort of the, the be-all and end-all of, of how to set pricing and, and really work directly uh, with the supply chain to figure out, you know, what are the costs of production? What are the prices that need to be paid here to actually get the, the product into market at the quality it needs to be? Um, and then how do we hold ourselves accountable um, for the pricing that's paid in the supply chain? Good. Um, another um, point that kind of jumped out at me as well is, um, I, I, am I right in believing that Uncommon Cacao is, is basically a, a women, women-led um, organization? Would that, would that be true? We are. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm the founder and, and yes. majority owner, um, but 50% of our team, uh, full-time team, is, is women, uh-huh. um, and 35% of the farmers in our network are women farmers, registered women farmers. That's, that's um, the headline 66% that of our yes. leadership team yes. is female. Yeah, so we, um, you know, it's not even necessarily that we've, we've tried to build the company this way, I think. Mm-hmm women have a big role to play in cacao um, and in chocolate. And we've sort of opened up the space for that to be a part of business as usual uh, in our supply chain. And um, it's, it's working. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. How, oh, talking, uh, referring now to really, um, you know, women, women cocoa farmers, how, how is it, how is, how is your organization helping them on a day-to-day kind of uh, basis, would you say? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, I think our sort of approach on genders in in the supply chain is something that we're still trying to sort of formally flesh out. You know, again, this has not necessarily been a very um, active, you know, work to recruit more women. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even just opening up the opportunity for women to register and helping origins uh, exporters see that it's important to recognize the women in their supply chain and help them get registered um, and then, you know, we report on that and that, that um, holds them accountable to then making sure women are participating um, in the economic activity um, of the exporters is really important. Um, so, you know, we uh, are also a public benefit corporation. We're a certified B Corp. Um, we're constantly sort of looking at ways that we can increase the, um, the role of women in our own organization and then at the, the exporters and partners that we source from. Um, so I, th- I would say, you know, right now we have these great stats um, and we are, you know, very much a women-driven organization. Um, but in some ways it's been, you know, by chance. We have not put a ton of effort into, um, you know, making this uh, an important, you know, active strategic priority for us. And I think you can expect to see more from us uh, on the subject coming soon as we sort of figure out, okay, now that we're here, how do we expand opportunity for more women? Um, in the past, we have done uh, microfinance uh, for women in Belize. Um, we have, you know, supported women uh, in Guatemala and getting access to chocolate making uh, training and technical assistance. But, you know, again, I think there's, there's a lot more that we could be doing to um, improve the just the recognition of the work that women are already doing um, in so much of the cacao and chocolate supply chain. Okay. Um, as you say, you've just released your um, 2018 um, Transparency Report. Um, 
my next question really is, are you happy personally with, with progress made so far by Uncommon Cacao? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I would say as an entrepreneur, I'm never quite satisfied. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, we're always looking um, to, to do more. Uh, we have a really big vision as a company. Our uh, mission is to create stability and success for all across the cacao supply chain. Um, and so from that perspective, you know, I'm, I'm not satisfied yet with how far we've come. We're still quite small. Um, we, uh, while we brought in about 200 tons last year, we actually sold, um, yeah, about 267 tons in 2018 as a consolidated company. Um, so we're still a tiny drop in the bucket uh, in the global market of cacao. And we are, um, you know, from the numbers that I've um, seen, yes. pretty much the largest supplier into the craft chocolate or bean-to-bar market. And so the market that we're selling into is such an important factor in, um, you know, being able to grow this model um, and the consumer education that's sort of happening, you know, further downstream. Um, all of this is, is key to these prices and this, you know, model really working over the long term. So, um, you know, I'm happy that we have stayed committed to transparent trade as we grow and that we will, you know, continue to, to do that over the long term. Um, I'd really like to see our market grow faster. I'd like to see more companies that are currently sourcing, you know, maybe just sort of um, regular, quote-unquote, sustainable cocoa um, from certified supply chains uh, go deeper, uh, reach out to us and find ways to implement transparent trade and, you know, potentially work with some of the amazing origins and producers that we're sourcing from uh, that have a lot of capacity to scale um, but have not yet been able to do so because the market just continues to be pretty small um, of makers that, and manufacturers that are willing to, to engage in this decommoditized model. Um, and I think we also have more work to do on transparency for what, as we say. Um, and this is a conversation that's happening in the specialty coffee industry as well, um, which is sort of, you know, now that we have uh, for the last, you know, 10 years essentially been developing this, this decommoditized transparent trade model, how do we really put it to work? Um, and how do we leverage the numbers and the accountability to create, you know, eventually our mission of, of real stability, real success uh, for cacao producers, the supply chain, and chocolate makers and manufacturers um, so that as consumers, you know, bite into a chocolate bar or a chocolate cake, uh, 20 years from now, um, they will know that they're doing good in the world uh, by eating chocolate. And, and um, you know, we're really able to, to change the system in which chocolate and cocoa is uh, sort of uh, is based on. That's, that's, that's a really good um, good point. I, I kind of... <laughs> Um, you've kind of superseded my my next my next question. Probably final question is: I was going to ask you about, you know, where do you see the industry, not 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 your organisation, in five years' time? You know, in terms of offering farmers a decent living income, there seems to be lots of talk, lots of rhetoric, lots of reports, lots of meetings, lots of view, um, and you, you know, it's still it's still an issue, um, and it, obviously, Uncom and Kakao are doing. Doing, doing their bit towards this. What, what do you think needs to change, would you say? I mean, I think, like, the simple solution, mm. um, which would require work um, and would require a, uh, a men mentality change in yes. the chocolate industry, is moving to cost plus pricing. Yes. Um, so this would mean 
really looking into the cost of production for producers. Um, there have been different, you know, living income and cost of production numbers that have been put out there. Cost of production is always very context-specific. Um, it's always very sort of geography-specific. Um, and so there would be a lot of work that needs to be done to identify the cost of production. Um, but we really can't talk about a living income until we do that mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we need as an industry to recognize that farmers are entrepreneurs, um, especially when we're talking about smallholder farmers who are very often subsistence farmers. Uh, their cacao farm is very often their sole source of income, um, you know, from the cash crop. They're using it to pay for school, to pay for home improvements, to pay for health care. And so they do really see it as a business. Um, and for us, you know, as an industry to be um, sort of over the last several decades uh, failing to recognize that, looking at farmers more as what I would say is kind of charity cases with the idea of, you know, projects and uh, donations and all of this, you know, sort of grant money that's gone into uh, these external factors around cacao farming communities. What we really need to be looking at are the internal workings of the market itself and how do we create an entrepreneurial ecosystem for farmer success. Um, And the first part of that is really, you know, helping farmers understand their own cost of production And then as an industry and as a market being willing to say, okay, if our price does not cover those costs, we're going to be willing to increase that Um, and so, you know, and and pay for the cost of production. So, you know, I know that sounds like a pretty radical idea in the context Mm -hmm. of cocoa, but um, it's (laughs) quite simple as well. It's a pretty simple one. (laughs) Yes. It's quite simple. Yeah. It's simply moving to a different method of pricing. Yes. Um, And so I think, you know, that's, that's sort of the simple answer. Um, I yes. think, you know, realistically speaking, we're going to see different strategies for specialty and commodity yes. um, just because the, the pricing realities on the downstream, you know, consumer end are very different for those. Um, but for the cost of production to be a main, main focus of, of strategies as they emerge, I think will mm-hmm. be really important. Um, and this also gets to, you know, I think the, we, a lot of times when we hear about living income, it's very much tied to the idea of diversification, um, you know, intercropping, making sure farmers have other sources of income. Mm-hmm. And this is super important, um, especially because cacao is a seasonal crop. Um, mm-hmm. So farmers will, you know, maybe harvest cacao for four to six months a year. You know, in some places they'll have a bumper yes. crop for another two months of the year. But that leaves them with, uh, you know, a third to a half of the year in which they're not making any income to cocoa. So mm-hmm. having alternative income sources is really important. But that said, I want to caveat that by saying, you know, I think especially, especially in the specialty sector, mm-hmm. um, we need to be thinking more about, you know, what needs to happen for cocoa itself to be a livelihood. Um, chocolate is not a basic staple for anyone. It's not a necessity in people's day-to-day lives. Um, you know, we as consumers have been sort of tricked over the last several decades into this um, belief that chocolate should be cheap. It should be available everywhere. It should be omnipresent in supermarkets and convenience yes. stores and, you know, everything that has, you know, chocolate is basically valueless. Um, if you look at the actual cost of cheap chocolate chip cookies or cheap candy bars, um, mm. You know, it's basically saying cocoa itself has no value. Um, And so, you know, I think 
as a, as premium chocolate, as bean to bar chocolate, um, and I would say most of the industry is at this place where they want cocoa to be a livelihood, you know, on the premium and specialty side. Um, we need to be honest with ourselves about what it's going to take um, from a pricing um, and sort of relationship, market relationship perspective with producers uh, in order for farmers to really value the crop itself and see a future in it. Um, or I think we're at risk of, of seeing farmers move away from uh, cacao on both the specialty and the, the commodity side towards crops that are more profitable, um, you know, and in the big picture, some of that may not be bad. There are probably uh, geographies where cacao doesn't make sense um, and the cost of living, the cost of production will be too high for what the market can bear. Um, but I think the closer we can get to having an honest conversation about that, about these sort of dynamics um, across the industry, the closer we'll get to, to being able to really think about living income in cacao. Good. Um Emily, I know you have to dash off, um, but I just I just want to at least mention just one more question, which I'd love to get your opinion on them. Um, um, regarding pricing, regarding living incomes, regarding uh, fair pricing, do you think how important do you think consumers are in this uh, new this new um, um, scheme of things? Um, it seems to me that a lot of the companies are getting becoming afraid because, you know, consumers, Gen Z, as millennials, if, if you have this transparent trade, this blockchain, this traceability, if they can see where their chocolate is coming from and, you know, what in what conditions it's been um, it's been produced in, they're, they're likely maybe to, you know, to, to, to um, go away, not buy the brand, look for another brand. Do you think basically consumers have a have a, a, a influential in this in this change pattern, would you say? Absolutely. None of it can happen without consumers mm. buying in, I would say. Um, and there is so much education that needs to happen. Um, it's one of my, I'm harping on this constantly in the bean the bar and craft chocolate um, industry at, you know, conferences, but I think we really, as an industry, we need a much bigger platform in which we can sort of come together and rather than, individual brands trying to sort of educate consumers one by one, which is still super important and needs to be happening every day and is happening yes. every day for a lot of these companies. Um, we also need broader platforms as an industry where we can engage with consumers sort of where they're at, you know, mm -hmm. and, and reach them, whether it's on supermarket shelves, on mm -hmm. TV programs, on the news and billboards and, you know, mainstream uh, news publications. Um, there are so many chocolate lovers out there, and I was one of them before I started Uncommon yes. in 2010. You know, I loved chocolate. I was I wrote a cookbook on chocolate when I was 10 years old and did my seventh grade science project on cupcakes. I was like <laughs> obsessed. I had no idea where cacao came from. I had no idea uh, what the supply chain looks like. And there are still so many people out there a decade later in the same situation. Um, and so many of the news stories we see about cacao, you know, are just about problems. Um, yes. And so I think we need to be streamlining and improving the e efficacy of our communication as the premium and uh, beans of our chocolate industry to really, you know, effectively reach consumers and help them see that their purchases matter. And when they choose to spend, you know, seven or eight dollars on a fine chocolate bar versus two dollars on a, a cheap candy bar um, that really is you know that individual purchase is making an impact um, and the more consumers that 
you know, do that and that educate the people around them, educate their families, educate their friends, um, introduce them to new brands. Um, and the more that retailers and distributors, um, you know, start to open up more channels for these, these brands to access the market, um, you know, I think that the closer we'll get to being able to pay the prices that are needed for a living income and for covering costs of production at Origin. Wow, that's, um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I hope your, your, um, your comments are heard uh, far and wide in the industry. Um, and just, just finally, I know you're rushing off and I know you're going to Belize, is it tomorrow? Um, what, what are you going to be doing down there? Is this yeah. where Uncom and Cacao was founded, you said? Can you just let it me know? It is, yeah. What, so what's happening we, down um, there? What's we okay? operate a, exactly, yeah, I'm going down there. I'll be down, down there for the next week or so. Um, mm -hmm. Working with our team, the harvest just ended. So yes. um, we're now in the sort of shipping containers part of the, of the season. Um, oh. We just uh, got one out to Europe last week. Uh, we distribute cacao from both the U.S. and uh, Amsterdam. Yes. Um, so we're um, sort of building a market over there as well. So we'll be, um, you know, evaluating quality of some of the upcoming containers, visiting farms. Um, there have been issues with monelia, which is a disease in cacao this year in Belize. And so um, we're doing sort of a monelia task force uh, campaign working with farmers. Um, you know, again, things that uh, are important costs in the cacao supply chain, but are totally out of sight, out of mind for um, many in the supply chain, uh, from manufacturers to distributors to consumers. Um, and so we're, you know, working hard to make sure that, um, you know, everything sort of gets shipped out successfully this season, and we're um, controlling disease, running pruning campaigns, and getting prepared for the upcoming season, uh, which should start around November. Great. Um, Emily, we wish you luck and thank you so much for sharing thank uh, you. For your time and sharing your um, your thoughts and experience with uh, Uncommon Cacao. It's been an enlightening um, sort of 30 minutes or so and it's been a real pleasure to, to talk to you. Um, so thank you again for your, for your time and good luck in the future. Thank you so much, Tony. It was a pleasure to talk with you too and um, I look forward to, to staying in touch.